So I'm sure just like many of your listeners, it's very hard to imagine that the government is facilitating children being put in trafficking rings. So, but that year we put over 100,000 children in homes. So what I saw was a tiny slice and what I saw has haunted me since. And it's why I'm talking to you now. Carbon 60 or C60 first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C60 not only has a very real potential exciting lifespan, but it also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a very courageous woman coming to the program. Her name is Tara Rodas, and she is a whistleblower on human trafficking, child trafficking happening at the border through the Department of Health and Human Services, you know, the ones that are supposed to help the country stay healthy, both mentally and physically. Well, they are facilitating human trafficking at the border. And she is a whistleblower who worked there. She's a federal government employee who volunteered her time working there. And she'll explain her whole story. But the bottom line is our taxes are going towards human trafficking, facilitating human trafficking. It is a known phenomenon. They are covering it up. And she's a whistleblower talking about it. And the worst thing is, is they're bringing in kids from Guatemala and you know why that's bad is because A, they can't speak English and B, they speak a Mayan dialect, meaning that the Spanish speaking people here can't help them either. And so they're the perfect target for these human traffickers. And our federal government is facilitating this with our tax money. And she's going to talk about it. And we need this to end today. I mean, at the bottom line is if our tax money is going to help with human traffickers and we know about it and we don't stop it, then we're facilitating human trafficking as well. That's the bottom line. And that's horrifying. And we have to contact our representatives, our senators, everybody you know, send letters and say, we will not stand for our tax money going to facilitate human trafficking at the border. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, independent, a, a socialist, a communist, I don't care what you are. I don't think any of these ideologies support human trafficking or child trafficking specifically. This is not what we are about. 
So I highly recommend that you write a letter to your everyone you can and tell them we do not stand for human trafficking. So anyway, she is such a courageous woman. I'm so proud of her for coming forward. And I really wish there would be a heck of a lot more people coming forward. It seems like we're a country of cowards right now with everything going on with COVID and with human trafficking. Why isn't there an avalanche of people coming out? Why isn't there an avalanche of politicians saying, heck no, we are not going to support this COVID shot going into the arms of people when we know it's harming people in mass. We are not going to support an open border when we know we're trafficking little kids from Guatemala and everywhere else. And we're letting in terrorists from other countries and doing all these things. No, we're not going to support this anymore. And where are all the people standing up for what's right? Why do we have cowards everywhere? We're a country of cowards. I mean, my God, what is going on? So we, we just need to demand that they pull their heads out of their behinds or grow a spine and do their job. That's what we demand. So now that I'm off my <laughs> soapbox here, I want to tell you I had a really popular show with Sherry Edwards, and we talked about there being a very promising treatment for getting rid of the spike proteins. Once you get rid of the spike proteins, you really stop damage happening from the COVID shot, from shedding, from wherever you're getting these spike proteins. And then you can get on a path to recovery. Without getting rid of these spike proteins, the damage will keep occurring. And so you really need to get rid of them. So I have now two solutions. I potentially have a third one that I'm looking into and I want to put up on the solutions document as well. But it's very important that people look into this. The chlorine dioxide or the twin oxide is something that can not only help with getting rid of the spike proteins, it can help with a lot of other things. It's something that I think that everybody should be taking in their water when you can. Uh, twin oxide is just great. It's going into city waters and city water plants and it's helping people all over the world. But if you are living in any of these Nazi government-run facilities, even if they hear about it, they won't let you have it. And that's the vast majority. That's almost all of them. So you won't be able to get access to that. And it's illegal in this country unless you know how to get it. So there are other solutions. If you go to my solutions document, we now have some other solutions that you can use to get rid of these spike proteins. So please look at that. Share it with your family members. It's on the front page of sarahwestall.com and you can see under the solutions document. Also, remember when you're at my website, sign up for my newsletter. People are being unsubscribed. I don't know why or how that's happening, but it's happening. So please subscribe. And that makes me think if you are watching this video or this podcast somewhere, make sure you subscribe to the service that you're watching it on or make sure you also like it and also do a really nice comment so people know and give it five stars. My husband, I'll tell you it's a funny story. When I was starting out and I had like one subscriber. No, I had two, my dad and my husband. He was supposed to go in and give me a really good review so that I could, you know, pad it with something to start. He didn't realize it was a five-star review. He thought it was a four-star review. So I had a four out of five stars starting out. <laughs> so that was my husband. So when you look at it, make sure you do five stars, not four stars, because that will lower my review. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need anybody who supports the show to lower it because I have enough people who will go in and give me one star who 
can't handle the truth. So please uh, do that and remember to share. Okay, let's get into this really good conversation with Tara Rodas. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sarah. It's an honor to be here with you today. Well, I got to tell you, I am so thankful the, the courage that you've shown. And I'm hoping that you can be a role model for others to have the same level of courage that you have shown and are showing. And I want to talk about, you came out on Project Veritas and now you're coming out more, but please talk about what your experience was with human trafficking, child trafficking, and your volunteer work with the government at the border. Okay. So Sarah, you may know that the federal government actually put out a solicitation government-wide asking for federal employees to volunteer to help with the humanitarian crisis at the border and place unaccompanied children, children who were on their own with sponsors here in the United States. And I volunteered because children deserve to be safe they deserve to be in safe homes. And I couldn't imagine doing any other better service. And so fortunately, uh, my agency gave me the opportunity to go uh, to Dallas to get trained. And then I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex emergency intake site, which is in Pomona, California. And I'm a teacher by trade. And so I thought I would be coloring with kids and playing games with them just talking with them to help them feel comfortable because, you know, I've heard the journey is horrible. So I wanted to, you know, do that. And there was an urgent need for volunteers and case management. And anytime they needed anything, I said, hey, I'm here, I'll help. So I was assigned to case management at the end of May. And by June 16, we had reported the first instance of a suspicious sponsor who actually had connections with six other households and 18 other children. And I still didn't know at this point that it was child trafficking because I didn't know that there was child trafficking in the program. I came there to help put kids in safe homes. I, I had no idea. So I'm sure just like many of your listeners, it's very hard to imagine that the government is facilitating children being put in trafficking rings. So the first case we put forward and then we started to see these same things in other places. And so we began finding all these suspicious sponsors and someone then sent me a copy of the Senate report. Well, before you go on to the Senate report, because that's super sure. important. How many homes and suspicious uh, homes did you find sponsors? So in a three month period, there were more than 20 cases. And the site that I was at only processed 8,000, about 8,300 cases. But that year, we put over 100,000 children in homes. So what I saw was a tiny slice. And what I saw has haunted me since. And it's why I'm talking to you now. And, and so you saw out of this tiny slice that you get to see, 
you saw over 20 cases. Yes. Okay. And okay. So let's talk about the Senate report that you're, you saw. Yes. So somebody then sent me a copy of the Senate report from 2016. And this Senate report, it's public. Uh, anybody can find it online. And this Senate report outlined all the deficiencies that we were seeing. And this Senate report came about as a result of HHS putting trafficking children through the program in 2014 in Marion, Ohio. So they had discovered a trafficking ring in Marion, Ohio, where children were lured from Guatemala and were living in horrific conditions, working 12 hours a day on a chicken farm in Marion, Ohio. And Senator Rob Portman led the charge on this and wrote this report, explained deficiencies, and the deficiencies that I saw are even worse than what were reported back then. So at that point, I knew that HHS knew that children were being trafficked through the program. Yes. And that was stunning. Well, and it, you, what we were talking about before, and I, the, the show started is that you're the, it appears, and I have, I think it is matched up with Biden doing his presidential executive orders, reducing and removing, because they had, ICE had something like 36 traffickers in custody or they were investigating. And then Biden did an executive order to get rid of Trump's original executive order, and they had to release all of those guys. And you were saying that you were noticing that the procedures were becoming more lax and more lax. Yes. And anybody can go onto the HHS website. They can look up the field guidance. And the field guidance was kept getting more relaxed and more relaxed and more relaxed in order to fast track being able to move the children. It was definitely a situation of speed over safety. So well, for example- do you think, But do you think it was speed over safety or do you think it's they did that on purpose so they could get away with, with doing this? Well, that is a very good question that I'm hoping is under investigation as we speak. I know okay. that senators have called for a congressional hearing. I know that senators have reached out on December 5th, they issued a letter directly to Secretary Bercetta to ask him to give account for what's going on. I know there are state investigations that are going on. So I hope people will get to the bottom of that. All no, I can did say- Did they, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. All I can say is that the rules have been relaxed. And that is unacceptable when we're dealing with vulnerable children who we have in our care. So we have them safe in our care. Why we need to move these children so quickly to people all throughout the country, some who they're not even related with, some who claim they are family members, but the kids are like, I never met this person. I don't know. So it doesn't really make sense. And this is not a partisan issue. If it, sh it should not be. Democrats are not supportive of human trafficking. So people need to 
if they are a Democrat, they need to just wake up and say, this is not who we are either. But okay, yes. but now yeah. when you came out and you said, um, you said this stuff on Project Veritas, now did this, did that spear, spur some of these uh, um, investigations or was it already happening? So I do believe that behind the scenes, there were some things going on only because um, a DHS whistleblower had come forward as well. So a DHS whistleblower came forward. His name is Aaron Stevenson. He was the first person to come forward to say that transnational criminal organizations are sponsoring children. And so I believe that there were some things behind the scenes. Project Veritas had been receiving lots and lots of tips about there's trafficking going on in HHS's unaccompanied child program. But um, they didn't have hard evidence. So people, you know, they couldn't corroborate the stories without someone actually coming forward to show the cases and the data and then actually go knock on the doors to hear from the children themselves. Okay, and that's what they did. And, yes. now, and then that is helping the senators move forward even more. Yes. Okay. Yes. The Senate, the Senate is on the move because of Project Veritas. They're That's the excellent. only ones. Yeah. Who well, would. and I noticed, you know, the, the media will not cover human trafficking. It is off limits. And I noticed that this didn't get the traction it should have gotten. Are you, you know, in your experience, are you getting calls from media all over the place? Or what was your experience other than Project Veritas and some very brave senators? Are the media showing an interest? Well, um, I will tell a little behind the scenes. I'm not going to say what network it was so as not to call anybody out because I would like to be on their show in the future. But um, the day my story dropped, a, a person from a major news network reached out to Project Veritas and said, we would like an exclusive interview with your whistleblower. Uh, we would like to bring her to our studio and, and do an interview and have the exclusive. Can you call, reach out to her and make that happen? Uh, which Project Veritas did, I agreed, because I do believe that the public needs to hear what's happening because it's very hard to wrap your mind around the fact that what we're witnessing is government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. That doesn't make sense. It's If I had not seen it myself, I I couldn't believe it. It shows how bad it is for it to get to the point. Yes. It's, yeah. yeah, it's horrible. So I agreed to do the exclusive interview, and then um, the, they called back and said, I'm sorry but our corporate offices will not let us do the story. Yeah, so, I'm not surprised. The, the human yeah. trafficking is the most off-limits topic of all of them. I mean, even COVID now is opening up way more than human trafficking. Yes, yes. And this is a horrific crime that people need to be aware of because the government right now, I mean, just imagine that you've received a child into your care 
And without ever seeing the sponsor, not ever seeing them, because all the case management is run off of an app on the phone, WhatsApp. So the sponsor is sending pictures of photoed copied documents to a case manager. And you're telling me there's any organization involved in child welfare that's going to send a child to a home where they have not laid eyes on the sponsor, laid eyes on the home, verified there is sufficient income in the home to care for the child, do a proper background check to ensure this person is not a criminal. This just, this doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Nobody would do that. There's no child welfare organization who would release a child to a home or to a person that they were not sure was a safe person. No legit one would. That's for sure. No, no legit. And when you have multiple sponsors at one address, so you're talking three or four people sponsoring multiple children to one address, or you have a sponsor who is sponsoring children and using different addresses. So the sponsor on one application will say they're at this address, and then on another application saying they're at that address. So there's there are no checks and balances in, in the system. And once you identified this and you were trying to tell people, hey, I mean, I assume you thought people would be like horrified too and would help you stop it and you were going to really make a difference. What ended up really happening? Well, everything seemed to be being reported through all the chains of command. So I'm assuming that things are, are going well, that people are investigating and once we were able to turn it over to HHS's Office of Inspector General, I thought, wow, that's it. The cavalry's coming. Because I kept saying to the, the executives on the site, I said, look, if you just say our program is being exploited by bad actors and ask for help, have real investigators come here and look at these cases, have real background checks done, I said, no one's gonna fault you for that. I said, but if you don't say, this is when problems can occur. So what I learned later is that HHS, Office of Inspector General, does not have full access to their database oh. because HHS is, they really have a lot of lack of transparency around their sponsors because they don't want law enforcement going after their sponsors. Oh my God. Because many of their sponsors have no legal presence. And so they don't want people going after the sponsors. However, if a sponsor has no legal presence and we do a superficial background on the person, they have criminal history in another country but when we run our little high level background through field print, well, they're gonna, not gonna show they've committed any crimes here in the United States. So unless it's a real FBI background check that's run against like the terrorist watch list, then you're like, wow, oh my goodness, these sponsors are on the talk. 
So it just, again, there needs to be. And that's what be. you found. You found at least 20 of them that were, uh, that would pop up on a real investigative check. Well, the ones that I found were not found because of a real investigative check by a background. These were found by red flags, meaning why is this person sponsoring multiple children or why is this person sponsoring at multiple addresses or if the child indicated that there was a problem. So that's how we found the very first trafficking case. It was a brother and a sister and they were coming in and they were crying. That's the thing I've, I've seen and heard things that I'll, I'll never be able to forget. I've, yeah. I've heard children screaming for their parents. You know, I, I've seen children have panic attacks because they're going to a place they don't know the person. But this very first case that we found in the state of Florida was because these two children, a brother and a sister were coming in and they were crying and they, they wanted to be reunited, but they wanted to be reunited as quickly as possible. And the stories, it was all these different conflicting stories about how they knew each other. And none of the stories even were the same with the people back in home country. So, so what happened that to those actual, children? The, well, the, the female aged out. So she turned 18. So she went to the place where we believe there's a trafficking ring. There's definitely suspicious sponsor activity going on there. The brother who was younger, who had to go on suicide watch because of stress, was placed in long-term care. So to my knowledge, as of this moment, the last time I saw the case, he was in long-term care. And hopefully uh, he will be, he will remain in long-term care and will be able to get his T visa for being a victim of, of trafficking. Yeah, I hope so. That's just really sad. Okay, so it's very, very now the sad. girl, the girl that aged out, she just ended up going into the trafficking situation. So this is another part of the program that I think a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't know. So a majority of the children who come across the border are 15, 16, 17 years old. If the purse, if the child is 17, the minute they turn 18, just like that, they're no longer an unaccompanied child. And we just release them in the country. So if they have a contact, then all they have to do is call that contact and then reunite with that contact. Same for a lot of people don't realize this is that there are many people who try to abuse the unaccompanied child children program by claiming they are under the age of 18. So we had someone as old as 29 on our site who claimed to be a minor. So when they were apprehended by customs and border or turn themselves in, which they do, so that they can hopefully be released as an unaccompanied minor. They'll claim they're 16 or 17 years old, but that's called an age redetermination. All of those are also released into the country. And there's a serious problem with that. Obviously the person has lied to customs and border. 
whoever they claimed to be their sponsor lied. So, and filled out federal paperwork, lied. So that's a criminal offense, but then we release that person and there's serious danger to that. You may have seen in the news where there was a unaccompanied minor who was released to the state of Florida, actually was 24 years old and murdered his sponsor. Oh, geez. Okay. So we have just major issues. I'm the thing that concerns me the most is the unaccompanied minors that we are paying with our tax money to go into human trafficking. Yes. Yes. And, and yes, that, we are. And I go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's what people don't understand is that we really are the middleman. So the best analogy I can give is a drug trafficker. If a drug trafficker is, let's just say Guatemala, for example, because a majority of our children are in Guatemala, that drug trafficker has to get his drugs, right, his product across Mexico, so he's got to pay the cartels. But once he hits the U.S. border, he risks you losing a lot of his product, you may have seen shows like on the border where they catch people with, you know, 40 pounds of Coke, you know, in the doors of the car and in the wheel wells and everything like that. They lose a lot of their product at the border. Then the drug trafficker has to get his distribution network. And then, so he's got to pay them. That's all out of his profits. And then in the end, the dealer at the end has a one time use for the drug. But now let's think about trafficking a child. When you take that child across Mexico, the trafficker has to pay the cartel. But once that trafficker hits the US border, the United States government takes their product, that vulnerable child. And then the United States government on taxpayer dollars uses government money to purchase flights for those children to deliver them directly into the hands of the trafficker on the other end. And it's not for one-time use. These traffickers are building residual income off of these children for the life of the child because they use them over and over. If it's labor trafficking, they have the child working eight to 12 hours a day. If it's sex trafficking, they have those girls turning tricks. I've heard as much as like 20 times a day. This is absolutely unacceptable that the federal government is the middleman in the trafficking scheme. I know. So <laughs> where are you at now? I, I know. I just, I just, I can't even believe that this is happening. Um, what, where, where are you at now? Are people, are you helping with cases and to get this out there? So I'm really thankful that states are starting to come forward. Um, Texas, the attorney general is, has a human trafficking team that's really looking into various hotspots of where the children are. And we hope that children will be rescued. There, Texas is also um, 
you know, they're really looking through the data to see what they can find. The challenge is who is going to turn over to the state all of the information on the sponsor. And I think this is where the rubber is going to meet the road is HHS has the data. They know every sponsor, they know the address of that sponsor, and they know the child who is supposed to be with that sponsor. But children are missing. My understanding is that the amount of children that are missing are more than the children that they even know about. The day, and I, I'm trying to look for the numbers as I'm talking to you right now because I published this a while ago and I can't find it. But the number of children that are missing in the system, do you have that information? Because I'm so, under the impression, go ahead. So that, that's a great question. I don't have the information on exactly how many children are missing, but the last a report that was put out by the state of Texas said that up to 30% were missing, meaning not with the sponsor. And that's exactly what happened back in 2014. And anybody can, again, they can read about it in the Senate report, it's public information, and read about how when HHS did a 30-day wellness call to ask where the child, you know, how's the child doing? The person said, um, the child's not living with me anymore. And then they close the case. So there's no, I think this is a very important thing for people to understand. HHS is not responsible for the child once they give custody to the sponsor. They are literally signing over custody. HHS cannot call up the sponsor and say, hey, um, when we released the child, we thought that they could have some mental health issues or trauma from the journey. We wanna give you a counselor to help. They can say, thank you, never call me again, click. There is no obligation on the part of the sponsor to ever accept a call from HHS again. That is the law. The sponsor now has full control, full custody of the child. And they could be giving it to a sex trafficker and we have no idea. Yes. So as Project Veritas um, discovered and showed, the one person who is in prison right now in the state of Florida for battery against a child, this is in the video, um, he received multiple children, but they never lived with him. So there are people who receive the children and then immediately turn them over to someone else. A whistleblower from MVM, who is the transportation, they fly the children or bus the children. People were hearing about, oh, there's midnight flights and kids are being let off here and there. Uh, Tom Finton recently, he FOIA'd some articles about flights going from here to there and how many children yeah. they were dropping off in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, the MVM person in the shadows said, the children tell me they don't know who these people are. Yeah, and then what happens once that happens? Once they know that they don't know who they are, what do they do then? They just figure, oh, well, we're off the hook and who cares, let's move on. They are no longer responsible. 
custody has been turned over. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the part that people are missing is that HHS has custody and then they transfer custody to the sponsor. So unless that child calls the human trafficking number, unless that child calls, HHS does give them a number to call. HHS does run OTIP, which is the Office of Trafficking in Persons. Unless that child has the ability to call and ask for help, they are, yeah, they are the property of the sponsor. Yeah, there's, there's six HHS years old this. or whatever. I mean, they're young and they don't even, they can't speak the language and you think they're going to call. It's just so well, incredible. And they're, yes. And so in the, in the video, James O'Keefe asked me, you know, he said, why do you think a majority of the children are coming from Guatemala? And I said, my opinion from seeing the children and listening to the interviews uh, that I could listen to because many of the children speak a Mayan dialect. So they're speaking mom, quiche, something different. So as a, as a child coming to this country, speaking a Mayan dialect, they cannot ask for help in Spanish. Oh. They can't help for ask for help in English. They truly are a prisoner of their trafficker. It is reprehensible because we've left very vulnerable children with no way to ask for help. I was very surprised when so many children did not speak Spanish. That is just awful. I mean, this is the, the worst situation we could have for children and our tax money is paying for it. And nobody yes. is up in arms like they should be. And it's because we're overwhelmed with so many problems that are coming at us from all directions. But the last thing that we should be paying yes. for is this. Yes. And the policy of relaxing the vetting guidelines. Yes is encouraging the traffickers to be bold because they're like, wow, this is, this is our chance to make money. This is residual income for us, for every child we get. So we, we are seeing unprecedented numbers of these children being sent all around the country. In busloads. I mean, right now the U.S. has over 400,000 children and how many of those can HHS say have been placed in safe homes? They need to be held accountable. Well, they don't even know. They need to be held accountable. And yeah, states like Texas and Florida and some others need to be asking not only just how many children you've released, at least they're being transparent with that. You can go on their website. You can look at their fact sheets. It will tell you how many unaccompanied children went to each state. But the information that the state really needs is who is the sponsor? Has the sponsor, are they still, do they still have custody of, of the child? Have they enrolled the child in school? That's right. I mean, these children who, when Project Veritas went to knock on the doors, you know, you have a 16-year-old girl who's saying, this woman claims she's my aunt, but I don't know, 
but she's pimping me out for sex. This is not acceptable and it's preventable. Another girl, 15 years old, saying, well, I had, a, I had to drop out of school because I worked from 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. And she said, I have to pay my debt back to the cartels. You know, they reveal these things because Project Veritas does great reporting and they care about the children. And so I think that's why I really appreciate you, Sarah, for raising the awareness of this horrific thing that's going on. And most people just don't know. I didn't know. Well, they don't believe it. And then what happens is the the press won't cover it. People don't believe right. it. And these these children are left in these horrific situations. And your people's inability to believe it is allowing this to keep going on. Instead of saying, I don't believe it, putting a mask on and going on to your stupid little life, why don't you say, I don't believe it, but... I'm going to spend some time doing some research to see if it is true, because the more of us that know about it, we'll stop it. They can't do this if all of us know about it. But when you put your blinders on and say, I don't believe it, and then won't do the research to see if it's true, you're part of the problem. Yeah. You triggered me. Well, I just I get so upset people... with these people. Yes. Well, hopefully people can go to your website. They can look at the Project Veritas videos. And I also encourage people to look at the frontline video. So there's a frontline video called Traffic in America. And it actually is an expose on this actual Senate report about how those Guatemalan teens were trafficked to the United States. And it's exactly what's going on today. So if I could share one of the stories of boys who we were able to rescue, um, I think this will help people understand how can this happen? How can this happen? So there is a person here in the United States from Guatemala, wealthy. He has back in Guatemala, he has a coffee farm. His wife is living on that coffee farm in Guatemala. This is a true story. Four children were lured by this scheme. So there were children working on the coffee farm in Guatemala. They were making $2.50 a day. Now, in some places, you only earn a dollar a day. So $2.50 a day was pretty good wage for a teenage boy. So they... Over time, they get to know the child, they get to know the child's family, and they say, look, here's what we'll, we're going to do for you, because, you know, you're special, and we can we see that you work hard. You. Yeah. Yes, we care about you. We are going to actually pay the journey for you to get to the United States. You are going to be one of the few who have the privilege to work, work for the husband, right? you are gonna make $6 an hour. Can you imagine? I mean, those children, they really believe they're gonna be Elon Musk rich. They think they're gonna be able to care for all the needs of their family. These children are so disillusioned when they learn it's all a scam. So they're told, so they're brought to the border, given to customs border, they get to us, and then they start telling the story. 
about, and they were in different locations, by the way. So the traffickers are smart. They don't just take four kids from one site. I mean, they're applying for children at multiple sites. So, because then there's less chance they're going to get caught. But this is the scheme. You know, they're holding out the promise of this great life in America. And what they find out is the Senate report revealed some of these children are being labor trafficked in the most horrific ways. Girls are being sex trafficked. What, what American dream is that for these young children? It's, it's reprehensible. It's wicked. Yeah, and I really wish I had those numbers. And if I can find it, in that, I wrote the article a couple years ago on maybe it was so much has happened in the time. And it really was, I had the numbers and I had the reports showing just how many kids are unaccompanied and they just have no idea where where they're at after they come into the country. And so they're releasing yeah, them. Yeah, they don't. And, and you are the proof of that. It's just, it's so important that we have people like you coming forward and and telling your story and what you're seeing firsthand. I mean, you have nothing to benefit from this. I mean, it's not like you're getting rich or doing anything. You simply just want to do what's right. Yeah. Well, when I saw the Project Veritas whistleblower from DHS come forward, I was still on the site. So I'm still in Pomona. I'm processing cases. This is the end of August. I'm still there, you know, researching into all of these things. And when he came forward and said trans transnational criminal organizations, there are serious bad actors who are getting the children. I told the whole background check team. I started telling other case managers. And I actually thought, Man, could that really be true? I mean, do we have that level of bad actor involved in getting children? And it was less than two weeks. I had a case manager come up to me and say, um, you know, I, I don't feel good about this case because she keeps talking about gangs. And we started looking into it and it actually was a very high level transnational criminal organization individual who had been on the, uh, the front page of the paper in his own home country for the crimes he had committed and was supposed to be in prison, but apparently not. Um, and I began reporting this and I said, okay, we, we have reached a new level now. We, we need to be very serious about this. So from the time I reported that case, it was less than two weeks. I was taken off the case, as was the case manager. I was then told, um, do you think maybe you have cultural biases? Maybe you're prejudiced against, you know, people from El Salvador, because it just happened to be a criminal organization from there. And I said, you know, I know we don't know each other well, but my husband is from El Salvador. Um, I speak Spanish. I'm here at this emergency intake site helping to place well, unaccompanied children. children. Do you have children? I was just stunned. Do no, but my stepdaughter, okay. she's from El Salvador. That's my point. But, it's like I have yes. children with a Mexican guy who's from Mexico. It's like my children look like these children. 
So I get triggered yes. when I hear that. You know, it's like you, I, yes. the, but the, I don't even care what they look like. I'm like, I don't even want to know what they, I, I only want to know what they look like because I want to give them a big hug. But beyond that, I don't care what color they are, what they, I, they're a child. I don't care. I don't care. Boy, girl, color, nothing. Just let's not do exactly. this. It's like the last exactly. thing. Exactly. It's basically, are you, are you biased? Because why are you even bringing this up? Yes. Yes. Well, they don't want people asking questions. So when I started getting very close to some right. really bad things going on in the program, they, they retaliated quickly. They took me off the case. They told me they were going to investigate me. They walked me off the site and took my badge. Well, and so, that tells you that those people, they're come first of all, at worst, they're complicit in human trafficking. Yes. And, or best, or I don't know how you say if it's the best or worst, or they are affront and actively involved. Those specific well, people. That's one of the two. Yeah. I mean, I know it's scary to even think about it because you know them. But that is the case. At, at best, they are just simply protecting their organization and don't want, want to keep a blind eye to it. At worst, yeah. they're actually involved. And, I, you know, and when there's, something, there's fire, that's what needs to be investigated. Yes, and I do hope that the congressmen, well, senators who have come forward calling for a congressional hearing, that they follow through and determine what is going on in the program because it is unacceptable for the United States government to be the middleman in a child trafficking scheme. And I don't want my, ta I don't want my tax money. I don't want my tax money going to that. Well, Do of you? course not. Yeah, but it is. No, of course not. And what not. else is our tax money going to? You know, if they're willing yes. to traffic in children, what else are they willing to do? I don't want my tax money going to any of this. And now, and I, no. and if I don't fight it, I'm complicit in human trafficking. We are all complicit yeah, I, in human trafficking. If we're paying for it, we know about it and we do nothing. Yeah. I think most people like me, it's, it's going to take a minute for it to sink in. Yeah, I know. Because it was the most horrific thing to realize I volunteered to help. I, I wanted to help these vulnerable children. And then to realize maybe I was on the wrong side and that I'm actually putting these children to harm's way. It, it was, I don't know, it was a life-changing experience to have my eyes open to see the truth. You were actually putting kids, without realizing it, you were actually placing those kids in a trafficking home. That would be horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, there are so many people who have called me from the Pomona site, from the PECO site, from other places who've said, we really applaud you from coming, for coming forward but we can't come forward because we'll be fired from our agency. Um, so make sure if there's a congressional hearing that you get me on the list with a subpoena because 
if I don't get subpoenaed, I can't come testify. So there are people right now who know the information, but are afraid to come forward because they're afraid of being retaliated against. People saw me get walked off the site with security. That puts a very big chilling effect. And they did that on purpose. They did it publicly yes. on purpose. Yes. Yes. So they don't want people to come forward. And there are a lot of people out there. And I just say one voice can make a difference. If you are any way involved in the program and you have information, come forward, call Sarah, call Project Veritas. Yes. They will connect you with people who can tell your story and protect you. But you you have to come forward. We can't, we can't allow this, we can't allow this to happen. It's not fair to these vulnerable children. Can you imagine you've it's made evil. the journey? It's uh, got yes, we it, will be, we will be judged at the end of the day based on us allowing this to go on. I'm sorry if we don't do anything. Yeah. Th there's not yeah, much Sarah, worse than this. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And somebody said to me, you know, they're like, I can't believe that you're gonna, even when we reported the very first case of suspicious sponsor, or we knew, people were like, I can't believe you're gonna say anything. We're gonna get kicked off the site. Something's gonna happen. And I said, you know what? If I know the truth, I'm putting it up the chain. I am not going to sit silent and know that children may be being abused. And that was only at the very beginning before it was the very first case. And then people kept saying, Terry, you're going to have to be quiet about this. I said, no, when they walk me off the site, you know, it's because I was reporting trafficking. I said, and you will know that. I said, because when I get walked off the site, it's going to be because of reporting trafficking. There's many people I said that to. And so when it happened, I, I was not surprised, but a little bit, a little bit that they would be that bold. Yeah, it's, it's you, you, theoretically, you know something, but then when you actually see it for real, you're just like, oh my gosh. I mean, all the reporting that I'm doing, you know, on different topics, I still have that, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's really happening. You know, like I'm really seeing this because theoretically and intellectually, I understand it, but emotionally, I just don't want to accept it. You know, but it's yeah. true. It is happening and we have to deal with it. Well, where, how can people help you and what you're doing and to help get your word out there? What can we do? Have you thought about that or what, what can we do? Yeah. Well, what I think people can do is call their congressman, call their senator and say, what is happening with the children? Where are the unaccompanied children. Why has the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary Bercera, why has he not yet responded to the letter regarding these allegations? People should call their congressmen. They should ask for action so that there is an investigation into the matter. And on all they sides of the aisle. to their state. This is yes. not a Democrat they, Republican issue. For oh God's no. Sake. Oh, this, this is, is not, not 
No, this is not political. This is humanitarian. These That's right. are children, children, and they need, they've come here looking for a new life. Yeah, and so to have gone through everything they went through. If you hear the journey stories of these children, well, the girls are being raped. Like, enough. Aren't the girls yes. like 80% of them being raped and the boys are too. It's yes, just that I have to be honest. That was one of the most shocking things is to hear that how the children are abused on the boys and girls being raped along the way, gone. I mean, there are children who never survived the journey. Um, because they're so just, the they're raped, that, they're raped to death, right? I mean, essentially. And I've heard other terrible things too, but I can't verify any of it. But a smuggler in El Salvador um, said that they're not only doing sex trafficking and labor trafficking, but they're also doing forced organ harvesting. Oh, yeah. That's what a smuggler in El Salvador said just a few months ago. So whether or not that's true, I can't it verify that. I, 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 I it is true. Yeah, you can't personally, but that's true because they no. use the same networks for all of these these trafficking. It's all the same networks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who work for health and human services. Health and human services has a $2.7 trillion budget. Mm. This program alone in the last two years has been $10 billion, 10 billion. Yeah, well, I wonder they're why seriously. they're not so going seriously wrong. after it then. Yeah, there's yeah, so, so much so money involved. Some... Yes. Yeah, with that much money, how can you not keep children safe well that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me the money isn't going to keeping the children safe the money is going to be a i think it's a front this is i'm just saying it this is a front for human trafficking they do a lot of legit work because um a front is more believable and more effective when they do a certain amount of legit work along with the the work that they do to help with the human trafficking. That's what's going on. And until we can acknowledge that and clean it up, it will keep going. It will never get cleaned up until it's acknowledged, cleaned up, and we stop funding it. We cannot fund that. And there needs to be a stop to children going to people who they are not related to, period. So That's right. There is... They are currently sending children to people that children are not related to and do not know. An absolute halt needs, needs to happen. There's no child welfare program in the United States who would give a child without vetting the home, seeing the home, verifying this person can care for the child, verifying that the person is enrolling the the child in school would turn a child over to them so why are we doing that with migrant children why nobody would do that with with a child here in the united states why would we do that with migrant children 
And if you know people, when you ask, what can people do? Um, I reached out to people who I know who work with organizations, uh, charitable organizations in Guatemala and El Salvador, Honduras and around. I sent them the video. I said, please tell people, don't send your child through this program. That's right. That's don't, right. Please don't do it because the journey, what happens to them, and then you don't know who they will go to. You don't know. Please don't send your child this way. That's right. Don't, please don't do it. Just don't do it. No. Okay. Well, no. thank you so much for having the courage and to stand up and hopefully others will take your lead. Again, we should not be spending our tax money on this. Again, if we stop spending our tax money, well, I did hear about a program that we're going to test for genetics to see if the person was their relative and the pushback was so intense that they didn't do it. So they don't even know if these people are the relatives and the put, why is the put, I understand how they don't want to track genetic stuff. I don't want to be tracked genetically either, but what else are we going to do with these children that are, I, I just, this is incredible. Just don't come. Don't come, please. Yes. Don't come. Yes. Because the documents provided, I mean, one of the big cases I worked on, it was a brother supposedly sponsoring his sister, his little sister. They provided birth certificates to prove they were brother and sister. Wow. And then the case manager happened to see his WhatsApp page like 10 days after she's released and they're in this sexy embrace and oh. she's, she's like horrified. And then the next time she's all by herself, all oh. done up and looking for sale. How so old was she? The documents she was 15 years old. Oh. Yeah. 15 years old. And so the documents that we receive when someone has taken a photograph of a birth certificate, you know, criminals, they falsify paperwork all the time. No, they so have there no, is no yeah, they don't care at all. And that's, that's pretty scary. That is. Yeah. And we have to, can't be so naive to think that this isn't yeah. going on. Well, thank you so much again. And I appreciate you so much. And hopefully we'll have you back as more of this unfolds. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you're doing to shine a light on this subject, because it's so hard for people to believe that this really is government sponsored, taxpayer funded child trafficking. So thank you. And I really appreciate you.